Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wylan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Ryan, how's it going, man? Good morning, Jeremy. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we had a, we had a nice Christmas break. Uh, we did. And lots of January, too. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> We can call it a winter break. I appreciate that uh, you were... I felt like we were on a on a relationship break is almost what it felt like. And I say that it's because it's like, you gave me my space, you know, until, you know, I popped up um, because the living love and light podcast has also taken a back seat. And as soon as I get one, as soon as I come out of the hiatus and one new episode comes out, you know, you send me a message, Hey, (laughs) just checking in when you're ready to go, you know? So I appreciate you're letting me handle business over here. And then when I came up for air, you know, with that, uh, with a, you know, a new living love and light episode, then you reached out like, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe we can get one of these. So it's good timing. Honestly, I've been enjoying the recent episodes of living love and light so much that it's just like, wow. Like it's really, it's really cool to get, uh, like brand new from left field information. That's, you know, sort of similar, mm. but different enough that, uh, and, and like earlier enough, right? Like you can just tell, yes. like, there's no doubt in my mind that it's of the same, like, cloth mm-hmm. as the, the messages that LL starts to produce 10 years later or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, and so it's just, uh, it's just cool to, uh, to see these different takes just as weird, <laughs> like just as, um. Yeah. But, but like you can see that there's a lot of things coming through about polarity, harvest, yeah, a lot of concepts coming through that that we would recognize. Yes, and it's the same. It's just the same vibe, right? Yeah. At least this at this stage in the game. I don't. I have not read through all of the Circle R transcripts, so I don't know how and when the tenor or the timbre of those messages would deviate. Um, or bifurcate, I think, from where LL Research, because even Carla makes a comment that I think she says this material, you know, treads into areas that we do not ourselves go into. Um, and so they cannot necessarily recommend the material. But as she states, it's still a part of the channeling story. And, you know, there's value, perhaps, in and of, in and of itself, just because it's a part of that story. But, um, but as of now, there's, yeah, it just, it feels the same, you know, S- same message, maybe different filter. Um, but I, I too have been enjoying it. However, I must say I am itching to get back into the LL research material, which is only three episodes away. I mean, technically four, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, 
you know, there, there will be another episode on Monday, uh, but just three more of the man consciousness and understanding. And then I'm going to hop back into the LL research stuff. And I'm, I'm actually very much looking forward to it, uh, getting back into Carla's channeling and, um, I'm just looking forward. It's funny. I, I didn't think that that would be, um, well, I wasn't expecting it. Long story short, yeah. I wasn't expecting it, but yeah, I've got the itch. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Um, and I've got the itch to, to talk about these transcripts too. I would love to do at some point, uh, maybe kind of like a survey of the circle R material after you're done recording and all, and we can like mm. take a step back. That might be a good episode. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Well, I'm excited to talk about this one today. Um, you know, I've, I've read through it the first time I skimmed through it. The second time I only got about halfway, but I read and I, I kind of inter the first time I read it, Jeremy, I had a little bit of bourbon in my system, so I needed to read it again. <laughs> but, um, but I, I really like this. I really like this one. I think, I think you made a, a solid choice for, for something to review today. You want to, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's just a little bit, um, like not embarrassing, but weird because we've already covered some of this two episodes ago. The deal was talking about accepting difficult information, accepting difficult material, right? But the material of your life mm -hmm. and when things get really tough and, uh, Lord knows we're still not out of that cave when it comes to the pandemic and all that, geez. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I felt like um, it was kind of, we only we only went into a little bit of it, and there was actually a lot of good information in this overall session, which deals uh, mostly with the construction of an attitude. The idea of how to create an attitude and maintain an attitude that, in part, can help you through the difficult times, the times when you're transforming and when, you know, you're in midair, so to speak. Um, and, and just all of the different ways that we have an indirect impact on our own lives. Mm -hmm. I guess that's one way of, of, of talking about attitude. It's like this, this, this way in which, um, we have agency, but it kind of come, we kind of come at it sideways. And that is where I think, a lot of people who talk about the discipline of the personality, a topic we've talked about um, a couple episodes ago. I think mm -hmm. that's where a lot of this actually, where the rubber actually meets the road on this discipline that we're constantly work, supposed to be working on, right? Mm -hmm. Because it kind of puts us in orientation whenever catalyst hits us. Mm -hmm. We don't have control necessarily over what reality will put us through. But we do have control over how we face it. And that's kind of what Kuo is talking about in this session, which is uh, January 3rd, 1993. And this will be yeah. uh, linked in the show notes. Yeah. I appreciate the subtle shift in perspective to where the question is not, how do I deal with Catalyst? You know, the, I, <laughs> the more elevated way of thinking of this, or maybe that next level way of thinking of this is how do I adjust my own perceptions or how do I adjust my own attitude so that I can properly handle 
the challenges and catalysts that comes my way or that I can better handle it or I can incorporate it or, you know, it, it's a subtle thing from how do I deal with it to how do I deal with myself such that I'm able to, you know, <laughs> dare I say, enjoy the catalyst coming my way. We are told that that is a possible, that <laughs> that's a possibility, right? That you yeah. can learn. I mean, the Buddhists talk about this too. You can learn to look at difficult things in your life as friends that teach. Um, if and I guess a lot of it is about taking this perspective in which the way that you're uh, uncomfortable at a given moment yes. is not seen as a problem, right? It's just seen as weather. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're uncomfortable, sometimes you're comfortable. Yeah. We had a good, my wife and I had a good uh, catalyst experience with my, with my stepmother. My twin brother and I grew up with, um, with this gal and my dad from a very young age. Um, so she's been in our life for a very long time. But she has a, she's a very strong personality, very strong. And she has this very weird way a very powerful way of making you feel, how do I put this? Your happiness is very much based on where, where her emotions are at, at the moment. She just has this weird way of like sucking you into her, you know, her emotions, whatever, wherever she's at. Anyway, the long story short is she, for all family members has created handmade these, uh, these stockings, you know, Christmas stockings that you put on your fireplace. And she sent, uh, she sent my wife and I, um, the stockings that she made for, for us and for our son. And, uh, when we were, we were doing some FaceTime, uh, over the holiday season and she noticed that, um, the stockings we had hung were not the ones that she had sent us. The ones that I essentially grew up with, you know, and, uh, that you could tell on that call immediately she was hurt very bad. You know, she, her feelings were hurt so bad. She's like, I, you know, she put honestly, this woman put in so much time and effort just to make these freaking things, you know, and we did not have them up. And you could tell immediately it was, it was like a knife to her heart, you know? And, um, this was a, just a great experience because I knew right from the get go, because it's a common experience, at least with, with my stepmom, as most relationships are, these are, you know, so much the, the source of so much catalyst. But, um, my wife and I had to talk and try to help my stepmom understand our perspective, why we didn't hi why we didn't hang him up, you know? It seems so petty, but we didn't have a matching set. We've got a we've got a new daughter now. <laughs> we wanted something different. We had one for each family, you know, one for me, my wife, my son, and my daughter. And my stepmom has yet to make a stocking for our newborn, you know, our baby daughter. Long so that's just what it was. It's, we just wanted a matching set, and we had to try to explain, you know, to our stepmom who was so passionate and was just had it set in our mind that we had to use these stockings. Oh Any, boy. Anyway, um, it's. It's, I still can recognize that in the moment, it doesn't feel good. The catalyst is there. You, you can recognize it. But at the same time, there is still part of me that looks forward to the, the process of the process of seeking understanding, of helping the other person to find understanding in where you're at. And you take, you know, you take your relationship to another level, to another place, 
because you've hashed out one of those misconceptions that you might have about or misunderstandings that you might have about one another. And um, catalyst going to come, but yeah, the, <laughs> that attitude is uh, still needs work. It still needs work, but it, it, but I'm, but I'm happy to, I'm happy to say it. Um, I still do kind of look forward to hashing through those challenges, you know, anyway, long story. Anyway, you're, you're a braver man than I am. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for me, it's more, um, like I, 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 I definitely, one of the, one of the things that really sticks with me in life is the way that going through difficult times with other people disputes can often bring you closer, right? Like it's like you learn how to break each other. And so you learn how to heal each other. And that that's kind of the experience that brings you together and just how bizarre that is and how that doesn't feel like what's going on at the time. But then you look back, that's that perspective thing. That's that using time as a friend rather than as an enemy kind of thing. And mm. I think that taking these different perspectives on how our lives occur to ourselves, how we treat it, um, how we, you know, the, the, the regard with which we give given events, um, is in a very fundamental way, um, exactly what those of Ra are talking about when they talk about magic, right? The ch changes in consciousness at will, the ability to affect changes in consciousness at will mm -hmm. is how Ra defines magic. And if it really is about consciousness, then it's, it's a lot about the, the kind of angle that we're taking on things not necessarily what the things are in and of themselves, because they can be anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that that as we take more control over um, the organs of perception that we filter reality through, uh, and we that responsibility uh, accrues power to us. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly that. I, th I think that is a big part of the power that they they are referring to when they talk about the magical personality and stuff like that. <laughs> <clears throat> mm -hmm. is is working with reality at this more basic level. And mm -hmm. so uh, if you want, let's just, let's just dive right into this. Uh, I'll go ahead yeah. and read the question. Yeah. Uh, how much can we either consciously or subconsciously affect the way we look at the experiences in our daily round of activities? And what can we do to sow seeds of a wider perspective, a lighter perspective, one that takes the broader view and gives us the opportunity to go through our lives with less turmoil, less of the up and down, or if this is even advisable, is it better for us to just work with the way we go up and down? Do people really have an effect upon their attitude or is it a figment of our imagination? And as Quo gets started, um, they, they jump right into the concept of attitude. Um, to begin to answer that query, we would turn it around and say that the experiences which constitute an incarnation affect one's attitude and are designed to do that. So one cannot begin with a blank slate in speaking of attitudes, for there are lessons to be learned, catalysts to be experienced and reacted to in the life regardless of which attitude these programs of material or lessons are received. Um, that th to me, this is, this is really just talking about, Hey, look, it, attitude acts upon your life, but your life also acts upon your attitude. Mm -hmm. It's important to keep in mind because, you know, uh, a little later on, they say, um, they say something like, uh, oh yeah, the attitude of those who hunger is that they wish food now. 
We say this to remind each that the consideration of an attitude is a luxury brought about by having a full stomach, a warm shelter, and comrades in arms, as it were. Those simply attempting survival have only the background attitude of desire for life. And, and, and I think that sort of gives you the breadth of possibilities here when we're talking about attitude. I mean, I've met some people who've been in some dire straits for whom <laughs> attitude seems to be the only thing that keeps them getting up and getting out there and, and, and working with stuff. But at the same time, like when we talk about, I think it's good as a baseline when we're talking about attitude, when we're talking about this responsibility we're taking for how we're processing our lives and not just simply what our lives are. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to talk about it. It is, there are limits to how much we can just put on a happy face um, I don't know what those limits are, right? Like the human experience and history have shown huge potential here in people being able to get through really horrible stuff. Yes. But at the same time, like what anybody's limits are, what anybody's limits are with particular kinds of catalysts is hard. It's hard to know on the face. And so it's important to have compassion for ourselves when we can't have a good attitude, I think. Right off the bat, because this isn't something that you're going to be able to just uh, flip a switch, do one exercise and get over, right? Like, and just yeah. change your attitude. Like, it's it's a long, slow process, I think. Yeah. It feels like your attitude is something like a filter that where the the catalyst that is needed for your next lesson or your next level up is able to sneak through and challenge you, you know, because if you have a great attitude about everything, well, some, at some point, something's going to slip in or you're going to run into some scenario that you just, your bubbly attitude, your positive attitude is going to have a hard time, you know, dealing with. And, um, at least from my, from my perspective, I, I tend to think I, I try to have a good attitude. I try to stay positive about quite a bit, but I recognize when stress starts to set in or certain challenges start to set in. Um, a lot of them are, I think, communication-based, you know, just being okay with being honest and being okay with the way I'm feeling about a specific item and uh, being able to communicate, you know, that feeling with someone else whom I'm afraid I might hurt their feelings or, you know, I don't know how they're going to react. Um, but, it, you know, it's, uh, I just wonder, is, as, as you handle that catalyst as you handle those challenges and as you grow in the lessons that you are learning that attitude can shift because you know one challenge that comes your way that used to be a challenge that you, your attitude used to not be able to handle well you know if you learn if you're learning those lessons and you know that oh i've dealt with that before i got this all of a sudden that challenge becomes eh you know it is what it is but i've done this before and it's no big deal you know yeah. It seems to me also that the the more mature you get in applying this attitude, that you uh you trust you trust uh the unfolding of events more and more, even as they get maybe a little bit more unexpected or alien. Mm. Right? You don't know what's gonna happen to you that day, but you trust that you're gonna end up in bed at, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And uh, as as you welcome more and more of the stuff of life, of the 
the things that allow us to grow and experience the creator and allow the creator to experience itself more and more you learn to kind of relax into things. This is how the Buddhists talk about it. They talk about relaxing into the uncertainty and the indeterminacy Mm -hmm. of things of instead of like trying to plan everything out and get your life ordered and rigid. They, you know, they, they, it's, they, they talk about how, you know, life is new and, uh, burgeoning and it has energy. It has, it has danger because it is of consequence, right? Like things of yeah. consequence that matter, uh, are perilous sometimes. And they're also like the, you know, the things worth holding on to. Um, but we don't have to see that as a problem. Our desire to keep things fixed and static and uh, uh, predictable is also a kind of death. It's also a kind of a way in which we almost have like a death drive mm. where we don't want to experience new things. And then what is it to live, to just stay in this static zombie-like state where we just go to work, come home, go to work, come home? Or do we, do we, do we look for the newness of life? Do we, do we look for these things? And also, do we cooperate and welcome the material that we ourselves at the end of the day have placed in our path in two ways yeah. um, in, in, in the pre-incarnate in the pre-incarnational planning, but also in uh, the way that we uh, open up to what's there and we say yes to it. And these are, these are topics that I'm skipping ahead, but that this is kind of like where, where the reading's going. Um, let's, let's talk about the pre-incarnational planning part first because I have that right in front of my eyes here. Now we all know how the eyes can be larger than the stomach, how that incarnational plate may have been loaded generously. Nevertheless, it is to be remembered that there is nothing intrinsically mischievous or wicked about the lessons that fly before you in the gale of experience as you experience it. No matter how fierce the winds and storms may seem, They are as you yourself wished them to be in terms of that which was inevitably going to be dealt with as you live through this incarnational time. When the difficulties seem overwhelming, it is always easier to malign destiny than to buckle down and do the laborious work of digesting the catalyst instead. However, as a beginning to speaking of attitudes, we may say that these attitudes do not address a random life plan of catalytic catalytic experiences. Rather, they address the stuff of which lessons are made. The fractional broken pieces of a whole lesson come bit by bit into the net of your personal energies and are there for a blessing and for learning and growth. And I love that part about talking about the fractional broken pieces of a whole lesson. Is that not the, 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 the confusing way in which we actually have to deal with those things that we're working on in our lives? Oh, yes. That's it. That is a wonderful metaphor. It's a wonderful visual. You know, if you're thinking of like a map, a visual map of your, call it your core life lesson, (laughs) the thing you came here to learn, you can't just, you can't just learn the big idea. You got, first you got to take it in pieces, right? And those pieces span, you know, from over here on the left hand. And the pieces that are close to that side, maybe they're all similar lessons. And then it spans all the way over to the right side, you know, and, you know, the, and the, they might be very different lessons, but it's the same core idea 
the same core lesson that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to learn. But I think it's a fantastic, fantastic metaphor. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like if you go to a brand new city and you're spending like a week or two there. And at first you're kind of just in the same places and your idea of what the city is are just these little places that you happen to have visited. And that's how you think of it. That's your only, that's your only point of reference, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you spend more time, as you hang out with friends at different, at, at more and more places across the city, you sort of get, you fill in that idea of this place that you're at and what its mm -hmm. character is and all that. And that's how that, that, that reminds me of what they're talking about with these lessons where the whole thing that makes them so challenging often is that we're not getting the whole of the lesson perceived by ourselves right away. If that were the case, it probably be in some ways harder, but we at least know the scope of work <laughs> right up front. We don't know the scope of work right up front. We get, in fact, that's often how I, that, that's often how I experience Catalyst in a really uh, debilitating way, to be honest, because I don't know when it's going to be over. If I'm just like twisting in the wind indefinitely, it's just like, when am I going to actually get my head or hand around this thing instead of just still feeling it out mm. like a blind man trying to feel it? When does the elephant end? You know, like uh, you don't know, right? You don't know. And I suppose therein lies one of the challenges. Are we looking for an end or are we looking for understanding? so that we yes. can continue to handle that never-ending stream. It's almost like once you learn the lesson, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get little rocks thrown at you just to confirm that you've learned how to catch them or you've learned how to dodge them, you know? And I mean, let's take that let's take that example. If your if your lesson is to learn how to dodge rocks, you know, rocks are going to get thrown at you and you're going to get hit. And I, I think um they they bring something up like this later on um all right this is this is in the session carla states or quo states through carla so we would first look at new lessons and then at the true culprit which you are after in new or novel to you lessons of love the remembrance that you are in tune with your own destiny is often enough of an attitudinal adjustment to allow you to accept and process new material without undue difficulty. However, when you are revisiting old tangles of emotion, you are attempting to let light, air, and warmth into that which is dark, cold, and closed. And here, friends, is the kicker, the final, final sentence, which I love. The very process of accepting the data is painful because it is recognized that this is difficult, that is unlearned material. And there is the feeling of, oh no, here we go again. That's fantastic. How often do we have that feeling? Ah, oh, crap, here it comes again. I've, I've, hell, I've dealt with this before. Here, you know, I'm getting rocks thrown at me again. You know, how often does that happen? I would say very, often. <laughs> very often. This dread. I love the way that this captures the dread with which with which most of us most of the time would face like the same old hang-ups that we have. Mm -hmm. This 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 impatience that we have with our lessons. 
That's so painful. That makes it so much worse than it needs to be a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's a really cool insight to say, you know, the novel lessons, the new things that really catch you off guard that you don't have, in other words, a a bias that you've already fixed, an attitude Mm -hmm. with which you're already engaging it. And it it just goes to show that attitude works both ways, right? Yeah. Like, we get hurt by the way that events make us feel about ourselves and stuff. And then we take that with us. We bring that baggage along with us to the rest, to, to other lessons, to other instances of the lesson. Even when those lessons are slightly different and could show us a different angle, could show us a different part of that city, to use my metaphor, yeah. we stick in the city, the part of the city that we like, that, that we know, even if, whether or not we like it, but the part that we know and we, and, and, and we don't want to deal with, I, 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 this, this impacts me so much because I really do feel like I deal with this a lot where I know where my weaknesses are. I know where my unlearned lessons are in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And it's just, oh, I have to go through this again. Oh, I have to feel this way that the world makes me feel again. And what do they say that's so beautiful about it? It is not necessarily about shoving this lesson down your throat and making you swallow it. It is about relaxing, opening up, letting it air out, letting the light in, look at seeing the, seeing the beams of light and the motes of dust, you know, like just giving it some space, letting it, there's this, this is where it gets really Buddhist for me because it's about relaxing into this discomfort instead of saying, I feel uncomfortable. Therefore, something must be wrong. Therefore, I need to tighten up and defend myself from the feeling that I'm having. Mm. No, 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 no. All feelings are as hard as it is to do. It appears, my friends, that all things are acceptable. All feelings are acceptable. And that our reaction that we bring to it uh, a lot of times, if it's a tense one that tries to close off from it, it just gets in the way and it makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But try telling me that when I'm in the thick of it, right? Right. I love that in the next paragraph, the the line quote states: "The barriers put up by fear could be seen." Could, be, could seem to be an attitude barrier through which truth simply will not flow. So much of the work of having a positive attitude is clearing away the inevitable irritation that grows upon one at life itself for handing you your own failings as seen by yourself and then asking you with those failings to tackle that which is too hard for you. There's some rich stuff in here. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, life has, we have decided what our limitations are based on the way that life has allowed us and 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 held us back in different mm-hmm. ways. The way that life has opened us up and the way that it has closed us down. Mm-hmm. And this creates a kind of like, like you can think of this pattern as kind of like, this is the surface area. This is the attack surface of our personality, of our, of our, of our ego construct in the world. Mm-hmm. So it has these weaknesses, it has these chinks in the armor, it also has these parts that are that are decent. And so it, it, it's just like this attitude that we come up with is a way of saying like, I want to be shown the chinks, 
because I'm ready. I have an attitude that they're workable mm. and that they can be, and that they can be dealt with. Um, but at the same time, like we are asking ourselves to stretch beyond the limits that we have decided are safe. And there's just no way around it, folks. That's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. A lot. And like what, one of the things that sticks out to me about this, this, this session is how tender it is with us, how, how charitable and understanding it is about how tough this is and how the real work is not in meeting one instance of catalyst with the right attitude. It's about setting up, putting yourself on a trajectory where you more often than not can avail yourself of a good attitude and processing this stuff. It won't happen all the time. If it did, you know, th- there would be no challenge to life and you wouldn't need this life would not be teaching you. Yeah. And, and, and what is the fundamental thing that they talk about in here that we touched on two episodes ago? It's the idea that life is fundamentally good and that the, Presenting your failures and your weaknesses to yourself is fundamentally a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need to, and, and, and like we either trust life or we don't. Yeah. And remember, those are, those failures and challenges are yours and yours alone. What you perceive to be a failure, other people do not always agree with you. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. You could finish second in a race and everyone's like, dang, dude, you almost broke the world record. But you, you might be like, yeah, but I lost, you know, that could yeah. be a very serious challenge for you, but everyone, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a reiteration of the theme that our world is our own, that our perceptions of the world, you know, that old adage, we don't perceive the world the way it is. We perceive the world the way we are and recognizing that and accepting that could be, I'm not saying it is, it could be a step in the quote unquote right direction, you know, recognizing that it's, it's, uh, it, it's subjective. Furthermore, if, if we, if we buy into this philosophy, this idea of pre-incarnational incarnational programming of, of, uh, us being in control of our lessons and our destiny, then the truth of the matter is we wanted this. These are lessons or this, you know, what was the, uh, the picture we used, the big, um, broken, all these lessons are, are broken up in little pieces. You know, this is the major lesson. Oh, the fractional pieces. Thank you. The fractional pieces. This, these are the fractional pieces of the major lesson that we came to this life to learn. So recognize that there, there is some agency there. We wanted this. We wanted this and we get to choose every day if we want to lean into that or if, if we want to tuck our tail and, and, and complain that, uh, life is so hard, you know, well, we wanted it that way. You know, that's why we're here. So we've set up the bowling pins. We've set up the, the, the situation. New material is often less difficult than old material. We are bringing baggage to the, to the situation. Um, we dread it in a certain way. Okay, we recognize that there's a different tack we can take here. What would doing it differently look like, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where Quo continues. 
and they're starting right from that. Oh no, here we go again part. Yeah. So picking right back up in there, look for a moment at the fear at that turn of thought and see the dulling, freezing, darkening effect of fear. We do not encourage you to go forward as if you had no fear, if your distress is considerable, but would indeed encourage you, if you can do this at any crux, to recognize and accept these older and seemingly more painful lessons, even though they are painful. The barriers put up by fear could seem to be an attitude barrier through which truth simply will not flow. So much of the work of having a positive attitude is clearing away the inevitable irritation that grows upon one at life itself for handing you your own failings, that, that part that you already talked about. Mm-hmm. But it's but it, it it's 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 worth repeating because um, attitude work. Like I said earlier, attitude works both ways. Like when we are uh, working on our attitude, a lot of it is correcting an attitude that we already actually possess. Yes, we have already learned to react to these things with fear. And a hesitancy, a reticence to dive deeply into what life gives us. Um, Those barriers uh, function just as much to change our perspective in a magical sense. I mean, that that's that's kind of that's kind of the gist of 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 why perspective and perception is magical is because, you know, we do have the ability to filter and create the situation Mm -hmm. that we face and we often do that unconsciously. We often use our great power to to say what reality is for us. You know, in a, in a maybe irresponsible is a little bit too much, but in a, in a way that doesn't work. If we if we knew what we were doing, we might do it differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the right way. But I do like this line: the barriers put up by fear could seem to be an attitude barrier through which. Truth simply will not flow. That resonates because so many of us know people with a quote unquote bad attitude. But what are we really saying? We're saying people who can't see the truth of the situation. It's, you know, perhaps it is fear based for them. From my perspective, they're lying to themselves or they're lying to other people, you know, those with bad attitudes. Um, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting thought of what fears are in place in the person that is not allowing truth to flow through, to flow freely, you know? Yeah. But they, that the, the event that is presenting itself to a given person, um, is probably never being fully perceived. Even if your attitude's great, Mm. there's a lot of stuff there that, that you're not looking at that you can't take in. You can only, you know, we're getting, you know, millions and millions and millions of signals from the cosmos at every given moment, all kinds of weird radiation that we don't even know how to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we, I remember uh, Leary, Timothy, Timothy Leary called that our reality tunnel, right? This idea that we filter reality down to this very small amount of information, but it's not a bad thing in the sense that like, that's what we can process. Mm-hmm. The point is, is to remember that it's not all that we can process, yeah. that we can make choices on how to change that filter mm-hmm. and that that changing of the filter is magical is what I've been trying to say is that that's, that is the magical creative act that perception um, implies mm-hmm. that perception is a creative act and that what we, we can, we, 
that also, and it works a lot of ways, right? In the sense that like, maybe in some cases our attitude would allow us to ignore something that would make us fearful. And maybe that leads to us like getting into a more dangerous situation than we otherwise might. Like there's, there's, there's downsides to all of this. And that's why it's a, it's a, it's a way of looking at your life that in my opinion does put a lot of responsibility upon you. So it's easy to see why people don't want to take this responsibility because it is fraud. Yes. Amen. (laughs) So we have this idea of, um, let's see, uh, working with, uh, taking down these barriers of fear slowly so that we can decide how we want to deal with the incoming data instead mm-hmm. of letting a uh, attitude that we've kind of automated in place do that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is one of the adjustments that we'll make? And this is, this is now we're, we're treading right onto ground that we talked about two episodes ago. Quo says the first adjustment then is to simply accept difficult material. You may work in another density on accepting it with total and unconditional love. In terms of the choice made in third density for the light, it is well that you focus on the basic choice of saying yes to whatever the incarnation brings. Accepting difficult material is in itself difficult. Simply to accept is excellent work for you as a soul. For in accepting this difficult lesson of love as it manifests to you, you are expressing faith in the nature of this material. Do you see that in order inaudible, but I think they're saying, do you see that in order to reject this material, you would have to say to life itself, I do not believe that there is a reason for this suffering, limitation and loss. I do not believe I am a loved child in my father's care. This is probably like my favorite part of the whole thing because it really puts it in stark relief. What do you think's going on, dude? Do do you think this is all just a trick designed to like ruin you Mm -hmm. and you know, uh, I mean, I, I, Hey, I, I'll be the first to say, sometimes I think life is playing a huge freaking practical joke on me and I'm the butt of it. And it just, it just feels horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like when they say that, do, do you believe, do you not believe that you're a love child, of the creator? I have to admit, yes. Sometimes I do feel that way. Yeah. It's especially when, when, as they say, when it rains, it pours. And sometimes yeah. you're like, what is going on? right now you know yeah it 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 is hard to maintain perspective or it's hard to maintain a an attitude of acceptance and love and an understanding when the proverbial crap is hitting the fan you know yeah i guess i'm i guess i'm saying when you're taking the fractional pieces of your large lesson bit by bit in completely bite-sized chunks it's much easier to maintain this oh we are all god's children we are all loved i am this infinite being okay you stack up five in a row or five on the same day of these fractional lessons and you're like all right god lay off (laughs) i need some space you know the the problem is is that each of these pieces are in full focus Mm -hmm. if we could say it really strikes me that if we knew the fraction of the lesson that the piece we were looking at was, it would be a lot easier to adjust our perspective to, to, to zoom out and to anticipate the whole thing that the little piece we're seeing is only the first part of. Right. Yes. 
or, but like, we don't know that. Like it, it's kind of like in, um, in my, in my work of software development, you know, we'll get, um, they want us to work on some feature, you know, make this button or, or, or make this like process or something. And there's this thing called scope creep that happens. They think mm. they want this. Then, oh, can you also do this? Oh, well, really what we really wanted was this. Because it's very understandable that you're building something brand new that's hard to articulate. And so in the process of building it, you learn about what you want to do more, what's possible to solve the problem, and what you, how you might uh, extend your, at first, smaller solution to something that could solve bigger and bigger concepts of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the no. solution is... To- in software, the solution is don't let the scope creep because that just means you're spending money yeah. that you don't even know you're going to spend. But in terms of a life, I think maybe scope creep is good in the sense that like, if you recognize that something hitting you is an old lesson, it's almost certain that you don't have the whole thing. Because if you did, you would have a perspective. You would have You would have your hands around it in a way that you would be processing it much different. It wouldn't have this, oh, I'm, I, I don't want to deal with this again. We, deal with, we don't want to deal with this again, usually, because we, it, it kind of keeps us twisting in the wind, and we don't know. what we, we, we fear what's in store, but we also fear that it will never end. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel, at least, is that usually it's like, I can deal with discomfort for a set, fixed amount of time. It is when it's not a fixed amount of time, when it could be a minute, it could be a day, it could be a year. Mm -hmm. And just never knowing when it's going to end, that's usually what gets me. But not knowing Mm -hmm. when it's going to end usually means that my my perspective is widening and I'm taking in more and more and more of it. Mm -hmm. So this is, maybe this is like uh, a a, a description of how we start to... um, balance these things by recognizing all the pieces of it and putting it together so that when we have that attitude adjustment that then says yes to it, instead of saying no to it, get away, not again, um, that we know what it is we're saying yes to. It is, it is a lot to expect an entity to say yes to something that is completely, uh, unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe, and maybe that's what they meant about the new lessons. The novel lessons are often easier because you know you already don't know them. Yeah. You're not trying to get your hand around them. You're just trying to see that this is a lesson at all. Yeah, and you haven't attached emotional baggage to that new lesson yet. You're still figuring Good it out, point. like, where does this fit into my life? You know, I love your, I love your idea of, of scope creep. Um, yeah, that's fantastic because that applies so many, you know, in so many different avenues. Not just the scope creep, but people coming to you with a question or a need and you addressing the need, but not what is behind the need. Right. It's like getting the symptom rather than the sickness. You know, uh, I, I know this business coach that he would always say, what is the question behind the question? There's, you know, people say, or they ask one thing, but there's something behind it. There's something deeper. There's something larger that if you can spot that and tackle that, you know, the subsequent questions that will come your way, the subsequent requests that will come your way, um, they'll keep coming until you can address the question behind the question, you know? And it feels like our lessons are like that. Um, 
you know, if I'm constantly behind on paying bills or if my car is broken down and I, and I, you know, I have to walk to work for three weeks because I can't afford to fix it. I can plug those leaks as they spring, you know, as they come around or I can handle the larger issue, which is perhaps I should spend less money on beer or I should, I should try to save more of what I'm earning. Um, if it's possible, you know, it's, it's a, there's, there's always whatever lessons you're dealing with. It always feels like there's, there's a larger theme behind it that needs addressing. And again, that goes back to your, what you just said not too long ago about not recognizing that the fractional piece of the lesson is a fraction of the larger, of the larger picture, only recognizing that little fractional piece as the lesson I need to learn and not recognizing it as a part of a larger set or a larger lesson. Once you realize there's a bigger picture here, there's a, there's a bigger thing to recognize and work on. You're going to keep, as I said earlier, dodging those rocks. You're going to keep dealing with those lessons. I think once you figure out the theme, the big, I mean, that big picture, and you're able to tackle that and you've really begun to learn the lesson, you know, the capital, capital L then you're you're able to move on to a new lesson set you're like okay i've handled this one what's next until it, it feels like you can't move on until you handle that 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 big lesson in front of you yeah absolutely and they and they start to talk in terms of this in the next uh paragraph hmm. jumping a little ahead on the paragraph but they say once you have seen this portion of your attitude come into focus that is a simple and profound faith in the system of learning lessons in your density. Then you may choose wisely how you may approach the sense impressions which make up the daily experience. I, I like I like these two sentences. One is that focus that I think has to do with zooming out and saying the fact that this here's a, an example that from my life that the the fact that this small little thing that someone did is bugging me this much should be an indication that there's something else that there's a bigger should be that the roots go deep right <laughs> <It> should be <laughs> that there's yeah, that yeah. there's there, there's it's the question behind the question that somebody something so little is bothering you is not the little thing that is bothering you is it bingo it's something deep yeah it's something way deeper <laughs> and so you have to adjust your focus you have to adjust the way just like if we're looking at a mountain far away we got to adjust our focus to look at that if we're looking at something straight up hey I just got to go in. Mm -hmm. And so, and then the, what they, what they talk about is, okay, so you're going, so you're, you're adjusting your focus in this spirit of faith in how all of this was working, how this process of accepting different, difficult material works. And then you can choose how to approach the sense impressions, which make up daily experience. I like how they bring it back to, at the end of the day, dude, like these are, your senses being assaulted with things that um, that that present as life, but those senses are not the lesson that you're working mm -hmm. with. They are just the the things that we they're the they're the ways that they present to us, but they're not the actual thing that we're dealing with. Yes, yes, I, I love the next paragraph, if I may, because it it Go it, it, it <laughs> how do I say it. Um, slathers on this nice layer of metaphysical <laughs> purpose and reasoning behind it. Quo states, 
um, well, the last sentence of the of the previous yeah. one because it's it's you know it leads from there. It says, "If all things are good but often unknown, then it is with eager interest and positive hopes that one would take up every new thing that came forward to this to the sinecure of attention." Did I say that word right? I've never seen that word before. Uh, yeah, I th- I wasn't sure I pronounced it right the other time too. <laughs> I'm 38 and I've never seen that word before, but there it is. <laughs> but that the, the word means a sinecure is like um like an easy job. Okay. Like okay. Like uh you know, uh, I I just got this make work job that I can just show up to. Okay. Okay. So they're finishing up that the previous paragraph saying if you if you see all things as good but unknown then you can have a positive attitude about this. You can say, oh, I got this. But Quo continues, Yet this remains not so, because the nature of one who is cut off from the processes of the deep mind cannot stay consciously at all times in the deep rhythms of existence. The feeling of being lost on the sea of troubles is quite literally cut off from the sea of consciousness in which all that is in which all that is separate comes into one unified stem or root and is ultimately lost in the mystery of Godhead. So persistently you shall, even though affirming the goodness of all experience and affirming the goodness of your lessons, come up again and again against the outrageous, unacceptable, painful experiences which, by subtle or bold means, shake your comfort apart and force you to deal not only with the situation, but with your own feelings about that situation. I like how they establish that it's, it, if, if one were to establish the quote-unquote right attitude, then it's easier if you have this connection to the deep mind or you could say to the subconscious or to the, you know, uh, whatever it is. It makes me think that there is, there is this um, easier path to take on dealing with these challenges if you have some perspective or if you take a certain perspective, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I, the, the way that I think about it that occurs to me is uh, if you treat life as a dream. Hmm. And you recognize uh, that it's symbolic. Now, that sounds that 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 seems a little irresponsible and scary to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how much better would I deal with the catalyst in my life if, by its very nature, I knew that it was symbolic and pointing, and it wasn't about the the sense impressions that were making me uncomfortable at that moment, mm-hmm. the baggage I was bringing necessarily, but about a deep lesson that was just behind what was presenting to my, to my awareness in the same way that we have these dreams that put us in situations that seem very real. And yet when we wake up from them, uh, we usually can make some associations on the kinds of feelings they were creating in us and, um, can start to put together what that meant that falling <laughs> um, mm-hmm. into a well in a dream does not mean there's no necessary like meaning to the to to falling into a well. It's pointing at something else. The it's not literal in other mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. 
obviously our lives are literal. Our waking lives are literal, but they also have this other element to them. Mm -hmm. The more that we can um, develop a relationship with the deep mind and uh, use it, well, not use it. Um, That's kind of um, where I was going. Uh, In the archetypal system that Ra lays out, uh, the transformation of the mind archetype is represented by the tarot card, the lovers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shows a man with his arms crossed and each arm being dragged in a different direction by a female. One is a scantily clad female and the other is more chastely um, dressed in the way that this is usually interpreted is that these are the two ways to think of our deep mind. Hmm. We can either think of it as a resource to be plundered, uh, to prostitute for our own needs at the moment and to be used as when we want and to be discarded when we don't want, or we can see it as courting the maiden of showing the respect to that female part of ourselves. That is that the female represents the deeper mind and that this is something that we are, um, we're, we're engaging in a romantic relationship of true care hmm. and building um, this, uh, this love between us so that the, the maiden, when she is ready, will open up to us hmm. and show us the treasures of the deep mind. But she has to be respected. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if we want to have a, a, a relationship with our deep mind that allows for us um, to, as they say, uh, more and more consciously uh, stay in the deep rhythms of existence in this like place where we are uh, looking for lessons, looking for meaning in our lives beyond just getting through it. Mm -hmm. Um, then we have to have this attitude towards deep mind on the positive path. We have to have this attitude towards deep mind of a partnership of a respectful thing. And that the mind is and that the deep mind is not something to just come in and use when we want to, Oh, now I'm feeling spiritual. So I'm going to dip in and, and then I'll dip out, you know, Mm -hmm. but we have to have this, this, this deep relationship. And honestly, like the only place I'm going with this for the purposes of this reading is, meditation that meditation is one of those ways in which you can start to build a relationship where it's not just about, Oh, I didn't see, uh, the true symbolic nature of my catalyst. I must, I suck, you know, like it, 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 you know, I'm bad instead, uh, start to work slowly with forgiving yourself with working with these lessons and building a relationship with your deep mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, that takes time. It takes patience. Uh, but I really like the metaphor of courtship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I took away something similar from that paragraph. It, I immediately thought of meditation about when you cut yourself off from the, you know, the deep sea of consciousness or what, you know, whatever, um, however it was said very eloquently, um, was that thought of like, oh yeah, you know, don't forget to meditate. Don't forget to connect with that deeper part of yourself and, and, do your best to, hmm, as I said before, try to maintain perspective. You know, if you connect with that part of yourself and that's constantly interwoven 
you know, into your being and you can take that with you every day into the challenges that you face, it just, you know, it's just easier. It feels easier to deal with these challenges. The challenges are challenges. They're going to suck. Some of them are going to suck. You know, we can have a positive attitude about it, but you know what really sucks is not having a template with which you can use to handle those challenges without making yourself feel like you are being victimized by, you know, world events or one of your coworkers or whatever it is. So it's just so helpful to have templates like these that give you a frame of reference to take a bigger, you know, a, a wider snapshot, to look at the mountain, to pull your eyes away from that, that which is right up close and look at the bigger picture. It's, it's so helpful. Yeah. Like a, another, like another way of, of saying what you're saying is that the, we want, we, we often think that the attitude the way in which we approach reality will determine whether or not we feel pain or we feel good from what we are presented with. But honestly, it has more to do with the attitude helping us deal with pain and contextualizing when we see something that reflects the good. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that reality is just reflecting ourselves back to ourselves anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that all of this is self. All None of this is escapable yes. in the first place. Um, uh, in the next paragraph, they kind of talk about that. Um, I'll just read it in full because it's Mm -hmm. so good. You see, you can know that all is well and know that everything is for you to learn. But this does not keep the unruly emotions of a deeply sensitive being, which has been cut off from the resting place of eternity, from feeling many, many painful things and seemingly having to feel them in the darkness of solitude, whether it be total solitude or simply the deep loneliness of inner solitude. You cannot expect any attitude whatsoever to buffer you from feeling emotions. That's so key. This, we feel, is where your query was aimed. We hope you can see that all we said before stands as the foundation upon which we can talk about having attitudes. Yes, my friend, the practice of a particular bend of attention and way of consideration is a tremendous force in shaping your learning experiences and in performing the service which you came to offer. Part of the work of any wanderer is the living of the life itself. For when that which has been in a more compassionate vibration, or wiser one, has all of its forces in harmony inwardly, then the breathing in and breathing out of everyday living is in itself the central portion of the service which you came to offer. That service being to enable consciousness within this planetary sphere to be lightened. Insofar as the eyes of your heart are lightened, so is the planetary vibration lightened. Boy, that's taking a bigger picture on things, you know. Well, remember we were talking about responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is such... This is, this is, I think, the major reason why people do not walk the path. That is a, it's, it is one thing to say, hey, I have a responsibility to encounter, accept, and then seat my lessons, no matter how painful. That's one thing. It's another thing to recognize that the way that you do that has an impact on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. But it's important also to recognize that what we are talking about is no escape from feelings. 
You cannot expect any attitude whatsoever to buffer you from feeling emotions. We are here to feel that like, this is how we process these things. I wish that we could, you know, have all the groceries in one bag and have the bag not be heavy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's not how it works. The motion and like, it's, this is why, um, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, I was so enthusiastic about talking about the purified emotions, because I really think that it's this emotional dimension to life in which the, the lessons and the, the things that we actually learn about the creator that then is yielded back up to the creator where we're just like single eyes in a zillion eyed <laughs> entity called the creator. Uh, but each of us plays an important part and each of us has a perspective that cannot be replaced. And uh, the more that we can recognize the functional role that we play in the creation, not just as egos having experiences that gratify or disturb us, but that, all, but those, those reactions that we have matter to the creator too. Yeah. Yeah. If it, if your experience didn't matter, you wouldn't be here. Right. That's right. That's the purpose of all of this is for you to have the experience, you know, for you. And, 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 and the living of the life itself, nothing, nothing really more than that. You know, that is at the end of the day, all that we're talking about is the living of the life itself mm-hmm. in full color, opening up to all of it or as much of it as we can. And, and, uh, we make that dedication on a day by day basis and it's cumulative. Mm-hmm. We reinforce it through the way that we uh, face life or, 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 or slink away from life. And the more that we practice the attitude with which we want to face life, the more that that will be natural and the less we're going to have to fight the, the, the fight of do I, am I really going to feel this bad emotion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more that we'll just say like, oh man, this feels awful, but I'm still here. I haven't, I haven't been defeated by this emotion. I haven't been, it hasn't blown me away. It hasn't leveled me. It hasn't shown me anything that is completely impossible for me to accept and I can carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by it. And that's the kind, that's what I mean by like the emotional dimension of all of this being all like, almost like a gym, right? Where like we are lifting bigger and bigger, heavier and heavier weights so that we can uh, expand uh, what we can deal with emotionally. Because the more that we can deal with emotionally, the more that we can deal with the hard things in this world, this is one way to look at it, the more help we can be. The more that we can deal with our triggers the things that that are catalysts for us, and we can balance it not by being perfect and get and, and being able to elide all of this stuff, but precisely because we can walk through it, let it affect us, and continue moving forward, reaching our hand out to our brother and sister. That's where it really. That's where the real responsibility comes in. Our responsibility to the planet, to to model the energy that we want to see uh, uh, obtain in fourth density. And to be ready to help others and not just have to deal with our own BS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's tough to, 
it's tough to help others if you yourself have not gone through the challenges that they are currently going through, you know, or if you're looking for, if you're looking for a coach or for help, you typically will go to someone who has more experience in dealing with the things that you've dealt with, you know, so there's so much help that you can offer to others by living the life and accepting the challenges and working through those lessons. Yeah. And the more that you can show other people that things that they find difficult are acceptable in some fundamental way that they're, they're workable. Mm -hmm. They're not thing. You can set an example for how to do this and show people how to deal with their challenges. You may not know exactly what their catalyst is or how they're facing it, but you can show them. Yeah. Well, Quo is showing yeah. us. Carla is showing yeah. us right here, right? Or at least offering well, some perspective. Quo is playing on easy mode. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to deal with third density right now. <laughs> oh, this and is like, true. And, 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 but I think that they, all, but they also have a really, really preternaturally good grasp of... <laughs> What is actually the rub of all of this? Mm -hmm. uh, the next paragraph, I think, exemplifies that great. Yeah. Because we're all, I, I know when I first read this, uh, I'm like, oh, okay. So all I need to do is just have a good attitude and I'm on it. And they have my number. <laughs> Quo says, <laughs> now, as you go forward, you may feel that this seems very easy. I will just take what comes with good humor. However, the incarnation will turn around and surprise you as soon as you think thusly. Dang it. And again, what is important in the creation of an attitude is largely that fundamental way in which you are, which in which you as a servant of the good are ready to deal with destiny. In doing this, you shall again and again find in theory that you are doing well. But what are all these unhappy and turbulent emotions? Why must you suffer? This is where we came in. This is what you asked. And about this, we may say that building upon the foundation of faith, which undergirds all of your existence, you may focus upon your emotions, not upon the events causing the emotions with good results as far as aiding yourself by attitude. Let me repeat that last part. Building upon the foundation of faith, which undergirds all of your existence, you may focus upon your emotions, not upon the events causing the emotions with good results as far as aiding yourself by attitude. This is now this is a really freaking great clue. They continue. If you focus on events, you are lost in meaningless detail. If you focus on your emotions, you see that when you have pain in the emotional body, you resist, tighten up and say no in a speechless, silent way. Now step back from this knot of negation and see that the work of the attitude is concerned with holding, loving, and forgiving the self that is in a knot of pain. The attitude is not relevant to the facts in the way that you meant it. It is relevant to how you deal with the emotions with which you feel, which you feel as you move through this lesson. If you're angry, a good attitude cannot make you not angry. However, it can kick in like the afterburner and say, I accept myself angry as well as calm. This is, this is really like why we do this podcast is to find these gems, to call them out so that third density personalities can make use of this stuff. 
I think that it is, you know how we've talked about um, balance, uh, the balancing exercises. uh, And I've talked about this concept of, well, I feel like what you're doing in the balancing exercises is you're decoupling the raw emotions from the proximate events that caused Mm -hmm. them. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it right here that like the details of how this stuff manifested are not important. Yeah. At least to the, to the, to the, the nature of the event being a lesson. The lesson is in the emotions is in what it makes you feel. And that's where the acceptance occurs. It's not this. is, And this is why I think um, this is what people often miss. They think that, Oh, I have to accept everything. I have to accept mass death. I have to accept, you know, all of these horrible things in the world, pollution, rape, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. You're not accepting the details. <laughs> like, those don't need accepting. They're going to happen whether you accept them or not. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, the issue is you have to be able to deal with how they make you feel. That's what we're really afraid of at the end of the day is how these things make us feel. And if we can tap into those emotions on their own terms and work with them on their own terms, not on the terms of like whatever allows us to build a narrative in our head about how we were wronged or how somebody else is wrong. When you get in the details, you'll spin yourself into these narrative uh, like cyclones where you are, you feel something that you don't want to feel. This is, this is my explanation mm-hmm. at least. This, this, is, this is how it kind of works with me is I feel something I don't want to feel based on something it presented in life. And so I latch on to something that happened, some detail of what happened. I'm like, that's the part that's wrong. That's the part I, I can't get over that. That's bad. And that may be, it, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, like the feeling is what I actually have control over. The feeling is actually what my material is to work with. Yeah. Can't do anything about the fact that something horrible happened. Yeah. I can do something about how it made me feel. Totally. And the explicit pointing out of this lesson, of this perspective is continued. Quote states, in this self-acceptance lies the compassion and love which the lesson was intended to teach. The events themselves do not teach, and one's reaction to the events do not fully teach. But the way one deals with one's unredeemed and lost emotions make a great difference. The attitude can be adjusted by daily silent meditation. This is a good foundation. Okay. So yeah, connect with the deep consciousness, right? (laughs) Don't forget to do that. But, but pointing out, it is not the events which teach the lesson. No, it is the emotions. It's our reactions to said events, which is the point of the lesson. Well, the funny thing, the funny thing is that they actually say this kind of just now threw me off a little bit, right? The events themselves do not teach. And one's reactions to the events do not fully teach. In other words, Mm -hmm. the attitude is not what teaches us. Mm -hmm. Whether we accept or reject, that's not where any kind of lesson will be learned. The lesson is once we actually get a handle on those emotions, face what they're showing, the reflection that they're showing us. Mm. Especially those emotions that we don't like and that we have... Uh, uh, um, we've cast out. We said these emotions are no longer officially part of who I am. That's in the, um, I'm going to put those in the basement mm-hmm. and guests aren't going to see that. 
<laughs> and uh, so redeeming these emotions, they talk about like, you know, hey, if you're angry, feel angry. And this is part, I think, of the know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator sequence that that the law of one is really at its core about. Because in order for you to accept these things, you have to know what you're accepting. You can't accept anger as an abstraction. You can, well, you can, but it doesn't do any good. The only way that it actually works with the emotion in a way that won't trip you up the next time you encounter it, the next time you feel it, is if you accept it on its own terms in its totality. Mm -hmm. Ang feeling angry is okay. Feeling depressed is okay. All of these emotions do not, um, and, and a lot of the a lot of the reason that we, um, in my opinion, avoid fully feeling the emotions is we think that the consequence of fully feeling those emotions will lead us to do something that we don't want to do that we'll lose control. That's what I'm afraid of a lot of the time. I know I don't feel like I fly off the handle a lot, mm -hmm. but holy crap, does it scare me when I do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it is the thing I expect least. I can remember um, this was right before I was going to a channeling intensive a couple of years ago. I was crossing the street, had a um, right away. This is not the cop story. Okay. This, is, this is completely <laughs> Well, different. you cross a lot of streets. <laughs> <laughs> I cross a lot of streets. <laughs> Just call me Mr. Chicken. <laughs> um, so I'm crossing the street and there's cars coming off the interstate and and I'm walking on a, a crosswalk car rolls right up on me and honks at me, like just comes at 40 miles an hour right up to me and honks. And like, it was almost as if it came out of a deep part of myself where I'm walking and I wheel around like I don't wheel around to, to face them. I wheel the other way around. I, instead of going like 90 degrees, I go like 270 mm -hmm. degrees the other way and just slowly put up both fingers <laughs> and say, F you. And then I'm like, what the hell just happened there? Like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing here is that the thing that really bothered me wasn't my reaction. It was what caused that reaction. Mm. That's part of me mm -hmm. that I didn't know what very well. And I was taught a lesson about myself and who I really am. And the bottom line is that I can be just as much of a hothead as these, you know, guys, Hey, I'm walking here. Like, yeah. you know, all these guys that I see who, who fly off the handle all the time, like, Hey, they're me too. Yeah. And the people who never stick up for themselves and just let themselves be walked over. Hey, I felt that I, I know what that resentment and humiliation feels like. Um, all of these things that make me feel horrible, these emotions, the more that I work with them, the less they will, the less, the more I can trust myself. I'm accepting something that I know about myself instead of accepting something that I don't know and then being surprised. Mm -hmm. Right. There's so much room for exploration. When you run into a yeah. scenario like that, where a car comes up on you and out of nowhere from the deep recesses of your soul, come two middle fingers and a, and a curse at the car. You know, I had, I had a similar experience, much more toned down just yesterday, uh, with one of the finance, one of the advisors that I work with, um, took the initiative to change some I'm responsible for this very specific tracking template and this advisor just felt like they could change whatever they wanted and I had a surprising level of anger 
come out and I'm like, where is, I, I recognized it in the moment. I'm like, wow, where is this coming from? Like, why am I feeling, I, I had to get work done. So I just, you know, I reached out to the advisor. I'm like, Hey, let's not do this. We need to figure out a process. But, um, but in the moment I'm like, whoa, this is new. I have not felt this emotion in a very long time. I don't know what, yeah. where this is coming from. So I need to explore that a little bit. What was, what was it exactly that is driving that emotion because it, nothing out of the normal, nothing out of the usual seemed to be occurring. So it's like, what's, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. I mean, all I can say is if you've got too much on your plate, I know that brings out the worst in me is when I mm. feel like I'm already behind and yes. you have for months been saying how busy that you are. You know, I, I sympathize fully yes. brother. Like it just brings out this desperation. Yes. Oh, because you're like, oh, please. It's so ugly, please, Lord, right? Not one more thing. Just, I can't, but yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how can you, how can you, because I'm dealing with it too, where I'm dealing with a huge project mm -hmm. and like, it's almost like my manager expects me to fail at it. So it's just like, <laughs> you know, just like, I, and all, the only way that I can do it is one day at a time. I can't, I can't do the whole thing. I can't. And that's, I think, the best way to think about it. But that that desperation that comes from feeling like you're about to fail. Oh, on the cusp. You're about oh to lose gosh. it. Yes. Right? Yes. That's how I felt about this podcast. Like, I'm about to lose it because we're not we're not recording every week. Uh-oh, we, now it's the third week. Oh, I'm going to lose it. We're never going to talk to each other again, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. just the way that the mind, this is, this is the way that the, the, the animal works. The animal that, that, that needs to feed itself and, and, and keep itself um, in certainty. Mm -hmm. Certainty is comfortable. It's safe. Um, when we uh, want to express ourselves as spirits, we are expressly going to make that animal self, that ape that we occupy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, doesn't have a lot of tools otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it's uh we are, we are bringing it along with us and we have to have compassion for ourselves when we do that. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just wanted you to know, like, I get that, like feeling overwhelmed. Like it's one of the, it's one of the biggest lessons I deal with I, is how to have that perspective. You know, uh, what I appreciate about those kinds of lessons, as far as feeling overwhelmed is that one can learn how to stand up for oneself. When you start to recognize your limits of what you're able to achieve and achieve well, and people continue to come at you with requests and requirements, you reach a point where you either are going to say to yourself, I can take on one more thing and I can fail at everything, or I can put up some boundaries and say, yeah, I'm not, I can't do this right now. I'm not going to do this. Bring it to me later or whatever. It, when you start to stand up for yourself and you set those boundaries, I, I find that to be a good catalyst. It's a, it's a pain yeah. in the ass when it comes, but I know that I'm going to deal with it again um, to, to the nature of my work at ebbs and flows. And whenever my plate is full, I am able to reestablish my, my confidence and knowing what I can handle, what I can execute mm -hmm. well. And when people ask more of me or dare I say demand more of me, well, they get some meaningful pushback and it's surprising. It's surprising if you come at it with compassion but confidence in your communicating yeah. the three C's communicating with compassion, but confidence it's, it's impressive. The understanding that you can, that you can come to in someone else and saying, look, I'm full. <laughs> Don't come to me right now. 
Yeah, I, I have a friend who's in sales, and he's really been such a good friend to me. He actually asked me to be his best man for his wedding hey. uh, later this nice. year. I, I was super touched by that. But And he's taught me so much because sales is about this reactive cycle, right? Like you're constantly like dealing with people, and you're trying to figure out what their needs are, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with a lot of um, rejection a lot of the time, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I've talked to him about how overwhelmed I can feel and his, his, what he says a lot of salespeople do is like, you don't put pressure on yourself. What you do is you create a system and you put pressure on your system. Yes. And, and, and I was like, that makes perfect sense. You develop what your boundaries are. You develop a pipeline yes. and only a certain amount of stuff fits through the pipe, right? Yes. Because then it becomes, oh, it's not, it's not, you don't say, oh, I can't handle this. You say, oh, look. My plate is full. My processes are full. When something opens up, I can fit that in or, you know, my system can fit it in, you know, and then you can, you can, you can reshift, you can shift how you're focusing on things. And this, what I love about this particular lesson is that it helps you, it helps remove yourself from being the victim of people constantly coming at you with problems that I'm the problem. I'm not doing well enough. Once you, once you focus on building systems and processes you're able to you're able to take that lesson at your own leisure you know if your system is constantly overwhelmed well maybe you need to work on your system <laughs> you know but it becomes less about you and that that yeah. that lesson that challenge becomes a little bit more uh, digestible yeah i think that's an advanced skill to build in cuz cuz you're cuz you were right from the beginning about the confidence element of this only a person of confidence builds a system and then tells everybody to go through that. <laughs> you know I mean, like that's true. Somebody who's who who stands on their own two feet within their own truth, you know, mm. and says only a certain amount of work's going to get through, but all of that work I'm going to stand behind. You know, yeah. But there's power in that, and you know what? Absolutely. So much about good relationships is simply setting expectations. Oh yeah, and people appreciate that. They know, you know, I. uh this is somewhat of a tangent, but I recently came across um, an exhibit in uh, the, I think it's Elizabeth Holmes trial. I think she was a, she was the CEO of Theranos. Someone had published her like morning to do list, and then her uh, she had another list of of uh, traits that she tried to abide by or habits that she tried to abide by. I literally, I don't think she created them. She probably gathered them from other coaches and whatnot, but I'm like, this is actually a fantastic list. Whether or not it's, it's accrued by a sociopath, I don't care. I'm taking this list and I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it my own. So I literally wrote this down and I, and I hung it up in front of my computer and it says simple things like I will, I'm never late. You, You never say I will be, you say, I am, I am never late. I do what I say I'm going to do. You know, I... She said, I'll call, I call bullshit immediately. I amended that to say, I provide immediate feedback, (laughs) but there's a short list of things that I review every day that helps center me on just good communication. You know, I never, you know, I never come at these with uh, any animus, but it's like, this is, you know, this is a process I want to follow so that I can do good work for everyone. As you can, as, as the listener can tell, it's not foolproof (laughs) because apparently people can't call bullshit on Elizabeth Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) She she was guilty on four counts. So, um, yeah. 
Oh, man. She was guilty for defrauding the investors, but not for freaking patience. That's what gets me. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, totally wild. Tan- tangent achieved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about the catalyst and lessons there. I mean, all of the people, oh all of the very smart people that were on her board that failed, you know, imagine yeah. the lessons they're going through about, about being oh, true yeah. to themselves. I wonder what gut instincts they had. If some of them were just in it for the money or if some of them were like really had inklings, but they didn't want to push back. I just wonder, you know, I wonder. Yeah. I don't care what, um, <laughs> like, uh, documentaries you watch or anything like that. You're just talking to a bunch of people who have great hindsight, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what I'm interested in is at the time, what were you thinking? Oh no, no, right? totally. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time it's like, what, you know, where's, were there people that were like, boy, this doesn't feel right, but they didn't something in them wasn't allowing them to communicate that or push back or, you know, like, I wonder what the dynamic was like both internally and within the board. And I just, it's all fascinating to me. It's fascinating. And it's all, I keep coming back to this idea that like her mantras, her daily mantras were sound. Oh, totally. And yet you can still go out and defraud people. With that, like, so attitude is a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not the only part. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Well, we've been at this for 90 minutes now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're pretty much um, done done with this session. Every There's nothing else in here that's really going to wow... Uh, the listener. I think just the last, the last part of this might be good to wrap up Mm -hmm. on. The crux of having a good attitude is in that moment of recognition and forgiveness of the self by the self. May you rejoice in your destiny and find it within yourself faithfully and persistently to cooperate with it. For as you attempt through having an attitude to do these things that puzzle you, Crap. For as you attempt through having an attitude to do these things that the puzzles you encounter will be simplified to the extent you have ceased judging yourself as you do your lessons. Hmm. Man, Quo really puts Carla through the ringer there. For as you attempt through having an attitude to do these things, the puzzles you encounter will be simplified to the extent you have ceased judging yourself as you do your lessons. Got it. That's gold. Do you judge yourself or do you judge the lesson? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a hard yeah, lesson. If you, if, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to uh, get comfortable with the idea that feeling all of these emotions is completely okay. And not only is it okay, it's inevitable mm-hmm. that we will feel all things because we are all things. And, um, the judgment for the self for feeling certain things doesn't really mat- amount to much other than a needless catalyst. The lessons, however, right. Understanding what we programmed and the bias we're bringing and how the lesson uh, fully digests that, right? Like it fully incorporates that. Um, it is all really, really good stuff for us. Um, and all we have to do is just accept, all we have to do is relax, stop tensing up, let the air in, let the light in, let it breathe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, 
it is in that sense that the uh, the adage of Ra often all is well hmm. is really useful because you know you can tell somebody who's going through something very difficult all is well and it's going to sound cruel. You need to have this perspective when you say all is well, right? It's like it's not it's not what everybody needs to hear at the moment, but it is the case that at the end of the day all is well and it's just a matter of perspective getting there. Hmm. This is a great session. Yeah, I'm really glad we came back to this and and dove into it a little bit. Yeah. Um yeah, me too. And we got I got a bunch of other uh uh sessions that I've called out that I, that I want to get into. So hopefully, uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll record in the next month again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Let's yeah. make it happen. Life is like, I mean, life is just getting busier for me too. So I, I, I get the struggle, but, uh, this is always such a great thing to do. Yeah. Again, I would, I would reiterate that these messages recenter me, you know, try as I might to meditate, to keep perspective these sessions and especially these conversations because reading the sessions help me take ideas for myself away from, you know, whatever I can, you know, parse or get, get through the session. But when I'm talking with you, you get something a little bit different or things jump out at you. And that adds a whole other layer of fun to the session because you're seeing things that I'm not seeing. But once you call it out and I'm like, Oh yeah, look, that's right there. I can see that too. So it's uh, it's like, I get, you know, twice the lessons out of a given session whenever I'm hashing it out with you. So I feel the exact same way. Um, the conversation opens up things that even I saw in it, but didn't appreciate. Mm. Right. Like it's, there's something about two people discussing it where if you're just reading it, you might get the basic details, but a lot of it just flows past you. A lot of it's because of the diction that Carla uses. Like these wording can sometimes, be like molasses. And sometimes it's so beautiful that the true truth of it can kind of wash through you. Yeah. So uh, really going back and diving into things. And like, I, I would encourage listeners to do this. Like if, if you have friends who are interested in this, have conversations about specific elements in these, in these, in, the, in these works in the law of one and the conscious channeling and the circle of our material, all of this, all of this conversation really helps seed it in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. We are we are not designed to be lone atomic individuals going through bumping in the catalyst and just like being by ourselves. Like our lessons are usually reinforced by interpersonal connections and interactions. And it's a big part of seeding these lessons in your consciousness that they're available when you need them, right? Mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel All like, right. Well, on that note. Yep. I'm so glad that, uh, that to have recorded with you. I, you know, when we, when it, when we're away from each other, then the next time we record, it feels like a real treat. And that's what this has felt like. Amen. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the listener for listening. And as always stay in the love and light.